Hello and welcome to the Freemasons Podcast. I'm your host, Right Warshall Brother George Mudry, and with me tonight, Warshall Brother Ken Tarwood. Tonight we're going to be covering and talking to, through Skype interview, Brother Scott Walter, a forensic geologist and television series host. He's best known for hosting the series America Unearthed. Walter is based out of Minnesota. He or he is the founder and president of American Petrographic Services. <clears throat> In addition, investigating and dating uh, ancient artifacts. Walter was involved in analyzing fire damage to the concrete at the Pentagon after September 11th ter- terrorist attacks and has even helped the Las Vegas police investigate a homicide where a victim was found bur- buried in concrete. His first television appearance was a Kensington Runestone expert on the documentary Holy Grail in America, which indirectly resulted in Walter, Walter hosting America Unearthed. Walter is an author of several books on geology, the Knights Templar, and theories related to pre-Columbian contact. His new book, The Cryptic Code of the Templars in America, Origins of the Hooked X, is available in June 2019. I hope you all enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Freemasons Podcast, coming to you live from Morningstar Lodge number 47. Leave your aprons at the door, my brothers. Hello and welcome to the Freemasons Podcast. I'm your host, Right Warshal Brother George Mudry, and with me tonight, Warshal Brother Ken. And our special guest tonight, Skyping in, is Brother Scott Walter, forensic geologist and author of The Hooked X, which was a fantastic book, by the way. I actually oh, got I got turned on to you uh, through the um, the show uh, Holy Grail in America, and I thought, oh, your, yeah, yeah, okay, your that findings was... were incredible. That was a long time ago. My God, that was that's ten years ago. What you had found on the Kensington Runestone actually went out, and I bought that. I bought the DVD of that, and I watch it like all the time. I find it fascinating. <laughs> well, I've got a lot. I've come a long way since then, and we can talk about that a little bit uh, as we get into it. But I think now, I think you know that. Well, I'll get into it in a sec with you. I'll let you finish. Perfect. Um, so first thing we're going to ask is. Uh, Let's uh, let's talk about what got you interested in Freemasonry. Hmm. How did that avenue uh, start? Well, you know what? It's um, I'm not really sure where it actually started. Um, I th- it was an offshoot of the Kensington Runestone research and and the Hooked X research. And and basically, in a nutshell, the deeper I dug into, you know, what the origins of these things were. Obviously, mm-hmm. the Templars were first and foremost. Um, right. I ran into the Templars before I ran into Freemasonry, but it didn't take right. long. And clearly there was a, uh, a merging of these two, um, 
two entities that um, I can now say with 100% confidence there is a connection between the two, although it's a very murky and, and difficult path to follow. There's no doubt that there is a connection, certainly historically. Right. And uh, so that's what pretty much got you interested in Freemasonry. So how did you end up linking the two? Did you go out and find a Freemason or did you use the uh, what we call in Connecticut the electronic membership request? How did you <laughs> inquiry form? Actually, what 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 happened was I um, um, I ran into a guy um, and I don't even remember where I met Brother Freeberg, but um, he became uh, one of my most important Masonic mentors. Mm -hmm. But he invited me to come to the Scottish Rite Temple in Minneapolis, Minnesota, oh, nice. and he said there's amazing library there that will have uh, resources there that you're not going to find at the Minnesota Historical Society and at your county library. So I said, great. And I went in there and, you know, I, I met a lot of guys mm -hmm. that were extremely helpful and um, really good guys. And, you know, I would sit down in the library and I'd be doing research and they'd come in and, and uh, you know, I'd start asking them questions. And I found them to be, um, I mean, friendly, knowledgeable, mm -hmm. courteous. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I guess the best way I would describe it is just a little more insightful than sort of the average person that I would meet on the street. And mm -hmm. I really was impressed with um, with these guys. And mm -hmm. eventually what happened was um, I was convinced by the evidence that Freemasonry was a good thing and it was something that I wanted to be a part of. And so um, I probably would have joined several years before I actually did. But when I was doing America on Earth on H2, the first three seasons, I had this thing in my head that I had to be independent. And I didn't want anyone to think that I was biased if I had joined the Masons. And, right, and right. Finally, finally, I got to a point where I said to myself, OK, the people that support me, do they care if I'm a Freemason? No. And the people that don't support me, do I care what they think? No, probably no. not. No. <laughs> and then eventually, I just said to heck with it, and uh, and knocked on the door. Yeah, and uh, through Twitter, uh, uh, Joe was trying to talk me off the ledge, but somebody was—we're not going to make him famous—but they were heckling you, and I jumped right on that. I'm like, oh hell no! <laughs> and so I started firing at the guy too, and we don't suffer that. Eventually, I ended us. up blocking him. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to deal with yeah. this. But well, you know what? There's there's um, um, I get. Well, I say to people, you know, they go, do you ever get pushback or do people right. criticize the things you do? And I say, just Google my name. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right, right. And, yeah, you, and you'll, you'll see that. And, and that's how science gonna, works. Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah. That's how science and free discourse works. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we get it, too. You know, we get people that are, oh, you know, Freemasonry is supposed to be a secretive thing and you're not supposed to talk about it. So we get it, too. And just mm -hmm. it is what it is, you know. <laughs> You know what? If 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 people really are that interested, then um, then join and 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 find out for yourself. But mm. it's hard for people to criticize something that they don't understand. Right. And you know, a lot of it is dri driven by dogma. Let's mm -hmm. be honest. Mm -hmm. and, um, and ignorance. And right. and those are those are two things that um, you know we work hard to uh, uh, we we work against. I I. 
I hate to agree with you, but I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. So you ended up uh, getting into the lodge and uh, you took your entered apprentice degree. What yes. was going through your mind when you did that? I ask it to everybody. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> what I, the hell did I get myself into? Or <laughs> no, I, I completely trusted the guys that were 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 you know putting the degree on, mm-hmm. and you know my mind was really just blank because, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things that I learned in becoming a Freemason and actually was vital to the discovery that one of the most important discoveries that I made recently on the Kensington runestone was before you can become initiated or enlightened and, Mm -hmm. and really are, you know, duly and truly prepared to receive, um, you know, this, this initiation, you have to be humbled for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. You have to truly Mm -hmm. sort of take a step back and realize that you know you don't know everything and you know and and sort of clear your mind and and be ready to receive and you know that was hard for me because for for many many years i had all the answers right i mean right. especially when i was a younger guy and it isn't until you've lived a little bit and kind of got you know your ass kicked around a little bit you realize you don't know everything Right. And and that's a really important thing. And it took a while for me to get there. But once I did, as I went through that entered apprentice degree, I knew that I wasn't going to try to overthink it. Mm-hmm. I was just going to let it happen and try to um, let it happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, your perception of the world is colored by your past experiences. But the EA degree, you don't need any of that. Right. You're, just, you're receiving light for the first time and you don't need any of that past experience. That's tough for a lot of us to kind of cope with right now see uh brother scott you hear uh worship brother ken over here he talks much better than me so you can tell he's more intelligent i'm just a jarhead so that's not necessarily <laughs> talk, the case i, I just, talk so like a jarhead okay, well, you and i'll just have to try to bring him down to our level yeah. right <laughs> knock me down a few pegs please i need it <laughs> um so after you became a master mason did you end up uh what lodge did you get raised in first well, I am uh, I'm a proud member of Wyzetta number two hundred five, mm-hmm. which is right on um, the main drag and, and and literally on the lake of, of Lake Minnetonka, and uh, the symbol of our lodge is a blue lantern, and um, it used to hang outside the lodge, so brothers would know, um, you know where where to go in the snowstorm or the rain, mm-hmm. whether they came across in on horses or or uh, boats, um, you know, to visit the lodge. And so it's kind of a neat tradition. The, the, the lantern goes back to the late 1800s and it no longer is outside. It's inside on the stairway where we read the charges before we do our degrees. And, and that, that lantern is sitting right there. And it's, it's a really nice tradition that we have at at our lodge. That's a very neat tradition. Did you uh, end up, are you going through the chairs or you don't have time for that? (laughs) You know what, to be honest with you, I don't have time for that. Right. And I, I, I feel bad because um, I recognize the importance of it. I recognize, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the um, it, it, it's something that I would, I would love to do. I feel mm-hmm. an obligation to do it. But it's like anything else. I only get involved in things unless I'm going to participate Absolutely. and do it well. 
And uh, maybe down the road when when things settle down for me. But right now, I, I honestly just don't have time. I have to work my fanny off just to get oh, to Lodge. Right. But um, my my two priorities are Blue Lodge and Scottish Rite. I'm oh, a member really? of, of a bunch of other things. I, I just don't have time to go to everything. Oh, right. Um, you, you remember that word they teach you after you become a master mason, most important word in Freemasonry? Voluntary? Oh. <laughs> No. Secrecy. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. You all have right. to learn to say no. <laughs> we get voluntold a lot. Yeah, I was just going to say, see what happens is you start going through the chairs and the next thing you know, you end up like, you're the master. It's like, all right, then you're district deputy and then you're this and then you're president of this. Yeah, and then yeah, it's yeah. like, how the yeah. hell did this happen? <laughs> I'm never home anymore. <laughs> Um, honey, honey, I promise it'll be over <laughs> after this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only two years. It's only two years. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no. <laughs> so you are also a member of the Scottish and York Rite, correct? That's correct. And um, as soon as I was raised um, in the Blue Lodge, that would have been November 15 of, tw- uh, excuse me, November 15 of 2015. I think it, so. I think that's right. But it was 2015, uh-huh. and then um, a week later, I started the Scottish Rite, and uh, about two weeks after that, I started the York Rite. So I did the two simultaneously, um, or as uh, I like to say, I drank Freemasonry through a fire hose. But, <laughs> yeah, but it, it was really great. And I um, did you do you know, uh... went through the two day terminal degrees. Uh, of the Scottish right, and it was a thirty-second degree pretty quickly. Uh-huh. But um, after that, I went through, and I've probably seen every degree, all twenty-nine oh, wow. of the Scottish right degrees, probably two or three times at least now. Wow, and yeah. actually, I'm I'm in four degrees now. I, I'm uh, a participant, and uh, this Thursday I'll be participating in the thirty-first degree, which I don't think it's the thirty-first degree for you guys. The uh, the Book of the Dead, does that ring a ring a bell? Are you northern or southern Masonic jurisdiction? Southern jurisdiction. Yeah, no, we're northern. Yep. We're, we're so northern. Yours Somewhere is like we cut off. I think. I it sounds familiar, yes. It sounds okay. familiar. Um our chin degree. Our thirty second mm. has to it revolves around a guy named Constance. I don't think I need to say any more. Oh no, that's that's not ours. That's oh, our twenty really? seventh. Ah, there we go. The so numbering this, scheme is completely different. <laughs> yeah, completely. And you actually have uh I always make fun of it because it's called the Council of Kadosh, Kadosh, Council Kadosh, Kadosh, Because I always think a Family Guy with uh with uh Brian when Meg uh when I've Meg. Never, never I've seen never seen the show. I don't know who that uh, is. Brian's the little dog, and uh, the I'm squinting uh, too. I don't know which episode this is. This is the one guy. where he was where uh, uh what's her name? Uh, Lois asked the dog Brian if he's been working out. He's like, yeah, I've been going to Kadosh. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just cracks me up every time I hear it. Um, what did you take first, Scottish Rite or York Rite? Which one did you – or did you do well, them at I, the same I, time? I took them at the, at the same time. Um, wow. So I guess, um, you know, because we have a two-day um, where we go through the terminal degrees, mm-hmm. 4, 14, 18, mm-hmm. uh, 30, and 32. Right. Uh, it's spread out over a weekend and, and you right. can be a 32nd. And I did that. But like I said, I went back and I did all the degrees uh, after that. But then I started the uh, the York Rite degrees pretty much uh, like two weeks after that. So I was doing them, you know, going to the Scottish Rite wow. and doing the York Rite at the same time. That's, That's a, tough. I didn't even do that. That's wow. a lot. 
because uh, I did uh, Scottish in York as well, and I think Ken did. You're, you're Scottish in York as well, right? I'm not Scottish. I'm York right, but I did go through the York right degrees at the same time that I was an officer. I was probably senior deacon in my blue lodge mm. at the time, and yeah, that in and of itself was rough. Yeah, I took the so, express yeah. route because I figured at some point I'm going to become the master of the lodge and move up through blue lodge. So I'm like, the minute I became master mason, it was like, I was off to the races. Um, so I have to ask this. Which one do you like better, Scottish or York? <laughs> I'll put the man on the spot. Well, like that. you know what? It, that's really hard to say. I will tell you that I'm more involved in the Scottish Rite because it's frankly more convenient for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, commandery, um, our commandery does meet at the Scottish Rite, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm also a member of Cryptic Council and Royal Arch. So, mm-hmm. but they meet up in Anoka, and I know that means nothing to you, but it's it's quite a quite a drive oh. and. Um, I just, uh, like I said, I just, I, I just made a commitment to my Blue Lodge and my Scottish Rite. Although the York Rite right now is um, um, the the cryptic uh, council, especially, has taken a very strong interest mm. in the Kensington Runestone, as they should. Oh, yeah, and, no doubt. Uh, of course, Commandery is also jumping on board here, and we're mm-hmm. going to be having some uh, some pretty uh, important meetings coming up here in about a month where um, they are going to look very seriously at some of the new discoveries that we've made and, and realize that um, um, this, this is our history mm-hmm. and the, the, and specifically the, um, the book of Enoch um, and the Enochian material that that is in the bible is on the kensington runestone as well as in the um select master uh degree of the cryptic council Mm -hmm. and what it tells me is you know this has been around for a long time Mm -hmm. and certainly goes back to the 14th century and if they knew it then they knew it before that the question is how far back does it go but this is really a pretty profound discovery and the runestone was found here in minnesota yeah. So who better to lead the charge and embrace it than our commandery and our, our council, right? Absolutely, yep. And actually, that's where I was driving at with the question of between Scottish Rite and York Rite, because I figured uh, I figured in your line of profession and all the things that you're studying about the Templars and the Kensington Runestone, that I was gonna, my next question was going to be, which one do you see more of a connection with? Do you see things in the Scottish Rite you're like, Oh, hey, wow, that seems interesting. Or is it more of the York right? Because I had listened to an interview that you had done. Uh, I think it was another, uh, I, I think I heard on YouTube yeah, where you were, you were connecting dots left and right with the, the York right. And I'm like, wow, I need to go back to chapter and council like yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I would have to say that, that the epiphany for me definitely happened in the York right. But there are some really interesting things that are going on in the 13th and the 14th degree mm-hmm. that we practice. Uh, and I think it's probably the same. Um, um, you know, the, the, the three guys that, uh, f- uh, that, that go down and, and, and find something in a, in a uh, mm-hmm. in a vault, mm-hmm. does that ring, ring a bell? Yeah. Uh, in the York right, it rings a bell for me. Um, yeah. Well, in the Scottish right, um, it, it should as well. Our fourteenth Scottish right, um, the thirteenth and fourteenth degree, which I talk about in my new book, mm-hmm. also has some some dots that connect. But but 
the the cryptic degrees the select master it's just boom yeah mm-hmm. that the when you were doing that interview and i'm sitting there i'm like i gotta find my ritual book like right now like yeah. <laughs> i got home and i'm like oh, he's right oh my god <laughs> i was wondering yeah. if you can uh are, are you able to make any of those connections on uh on here without you know, obviously giving away obligations and stuff like that but or, or through the well, degrees well, you know you know what and that's a really good question and i think it's important for us to talk about this because mm-hmm. You know, being, um, you know, what I consider to be a relatively new Mason, Mm -hmm. when I started, you know, finding these things, I sat down with some of the 33rds um, at the Scottish Rite that obviously were involved in in all kinds of things. And and I said, hey, guys, um, you know, here's what I'm finding. What what is okay for me to talk about? And, you know, I was surprised that they were relatively, you know what, if if people want to get the passwords or the penal signs or... You know, the handshake, you can go online, right? right. You can find it on the internet if you really want to. And mm-hmm. and what I say to people is, is if you're interested in, in going through the degrees, you know, um, you know, it's like seeing your bride naked before, before the honeymoon. <laughs> I mean, right. you want the mystery to be there, right? Right, right. And and so uh, they they really weren't that concerned. And I said, mm-hmm. well, what about the, the, the specifics of the degree? For example, talking about, you know, the secret vault and the mm-hmm. nine arches and all that. I said, no, that's, that's fine. Go ahead. Because it's, it's, it's really important and germane to helping people understand how it connects with the symbolism and the numbers on the Kensington runestone to tell the basic story, right? Mm-hmm. That there were, um, and you guys have or have not been through the York right. Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm yeah, part of the Grand yeah. Commandery and everything. So yeah, yeah, oh, no, oh. you're good. <laughs> and you've done we the cryptic do. degrees, right? Uh-huh. It, we have to. I don't know how it is out there, but you have to do chapter and council before you can go oh, to Commandery. Okay. Yep. Okay. yep. Got it. Got it. Nope. Um, I I I I don't think you have to do it that way, but. You know, I'm one of these anal retentive guys. I got to do everything. Got to have so, a whole right. story, <laughs> a whole narrative. Yeah, you're yep, missing yep, parts. The whole thing. But in any case, um, uh, and then of course talking about the the you know the the a copy of all the two treasures that were kept in the in the mm-hmm. secret vault um, uh, that were below the the sanctum sanctorum, and mm-hmm. and and it's important because you know we have two tens on the Kensington runestone, and I think the ten. Uh, the number ten on the runestone is symbolic of the of the ten commandments that are inside the Ark of the Covenant. And if mm-hmm. you have an Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, you're going to have another one down below. So mm-hmm. that's where I think you know that that comes in. And you know, and of course, that's just you know one of many things that are part of this whole thing. So in answering, going back to answering your question, um, I I I, th- I try not to reveal too much because I don't want to give it away, right. but I need to reveal enough so that people understand it. Mm. But I also think that by talking more about Freemasonry uh, than maybe we have in the past, um, I think it's a good thing, and I think it 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 builds curiosity out there. Because I'll tell you what, guys. Um, I think we need more Masons in this world. Mm-hmm. We absolutely Agreed. need more Masons in government, especially on say. both sides of the aisle. Yeah. And, more Masons, I, less politicians. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, here's what I'll tell you, and, and I think you'll agree with me. I'm not saying that Freemasons are perfect. We're not. No. However, if we had more Masons in government, 
we would have a higher probability of people making decisions in the interest of the greater good right. than the personal good. And that's not happening right now on both si on either side. Correct. Mm -hmm. and, and so if we had more Masons, I just think that um, we would get more done. There would be more respect between um, people. There would be um, more dignified discourse. I'm just, mm -hmm. I just, I can't stand the discourse. I can't right. stand the disrespect, the name calling, mm -hmm. yep. um, you know, just the, the it, it's, 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 it's beneath us. We are, uh, we are on the same page on because that's exactly We had a whole episode it. on it. Actually. We did. We actually <laughs> did have a whole episode on it. Um, and so I, I think I just to finish the point and, and, and I'll underscore it by saying that I didn't find out that my father was a Freemason until the day after he died, when they cut the ring off his finger and gave it to me. And I had to go home and ask my mom. I said, what is this? Well, your dad was a Mason. I said, what's that? And, wow. you know, I mean, that to me is just sad. I mean, I was 23 years old and I, I had no idea what they were talking about. Mm. And. You know, but that was the generation, and you you know mm -hmm. who I'm. You, you know the brothers in the lodge that mm -hmm. that are very secretive, and they don't even tell their own family members. They're from an the older generation, mm -hmm. and I think if we want to get new younger brothers that are looking for something like Freemasonry, they need to know know who we are mm -hmm. and what we're about. And by by keeping this, you know, deeply secret, clandestine way about us it is mm -hmm. is hurting us. Right. That's just my own opinion we're, we're right on the same page then. 100%. That's, that's exactly why we started this whole podcast is because it, we just it was just a way to reach out and see that we're not you know what's the what's the coin term that we've always gotten the old folks group or the old men club or whatever it's called yeah it, it's not a yeah. it's not a group of rich gentlemen it's right. not a group of you know we're very diverse in what we do for a living we're you know we're not oh, yeah. all high intellectuals you know some of us are just regular guys we mm. hang out and we have a couple beers together and we talk about things and I think even, it's important yep. people to see that and even the history channel they always portray us as we're so serious and everything and they yeah. don't see you know us breaking stones and that's what we do on the podcast is you know ken's got super white legs and and joe's yeah. a ginger and i'm a midget and that's <laughs> i mean so they don't see that fun side of it and that's why we started doing this is to show there's a different side of it and you know but this what you talk about is fascinating to me and and i'm one of the main proponents that i've always said that there's more to our ritual than just the words so when absolutely. i absolutely so when absolutely. i listen to you it's it's like wow this is all it's all tying together for me anyway well you know one of the things that i I've, I've been saying in my lectures when i talk to to freemasons um if it's in and, and even if it's in a public forum i don't mind saying this and that is um you know one of the realizations that i came to when i figured out this cryptic code on the runestone that was in the select master degree is it, it it suddenly dawned on me that within our rituals there is real historical truth embedded within them and the difficult part um is is figuring out what's real and what's not mm -hmm. and at the end of the day i think the exercise <laughs> is important if you can mine things out of it that that are important to you right. or to whatever whatever else you may be working on but but the bottom line is, is that, you know, paper can burn, right? Mm -hmm. um, rocks can degrade and be broken. Mm -hmm. um, but as long as there are human beings that are performing these rituals, 
mm. that historical truth embedded within them lives forever. Right. And it's yep. a brilliant system. When you think about it, it's ancient and it's absolutely brilliant. And so I, I tell, you know, the brothers, I said, guys, you know, think about that when you are performing this ritual for the 15th time mm -hmm. or whatever. And, and, you know, because for that brother that's receiving this information that's old hat to you, it's the first time for him. And what you're mm -hmm. doing is important and it's sacred work. Right. And I think that we forget that sometimes we get so caught up in, oh, geez, I got to put this costume on and and be Manu or whoever. But think about what you're doing and what you're a part of an ancient tradition that's preserving this secret knowledge. It doesn't even matter if you know what it is. Right. You're just carrying it forward. And it's it's vitally important. And um, I think us all of us as Freemasons need to remember that. That's a great point. So I have a little theory for you, and I'm sure you've already come to this conclusion too. But again, when I was listening to uh, you talk about all the connections with the Yorkite and everything, the, you had just said a minute ago that on the Kensington runestone, the number 10 is prominent, correct? Yes. Okay. So I also I come... by the sea with our ships, uh, 10 men uh, read from blood and death. Mm -hmm. uh, on top of that, the X itself is a Roman numeral 10. <laughs> the hooked X, right? Well, uh, the the X is, um, no. but the X, uh, and if you're talking about the hooked X on the yes. Kensington runestone, in this case, it's actually uh, being used for the 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 A sound, the letter A or right. the, the A sound, and so it is. It looks like an X, but it's got a little hook on it. Mm -hmm. And actually, what I think it is is a straight line stonemason's version of the Hebrew Aleph. And if you look at the Hebrew olive, it, it looks a lot like the hooked X. And if you're using a chisel and you're making the lines, that right. would probably be the um, uh, the easiest way to make that. But, um, you know, the Templars were versed in um, in many things in medieval times. And certainly um, Hebrew mysticism would be would be one of them. Here's another thing that a lot of people don't know about. And, and, and think about this. Mm -hmm. It's you'll never hear anyone talk about this. Mm -hmm. The numbers on the Kensington runestone are called pentatic numbers, okay, um, which is actually an Arabic numbering system, huh. okay, which begs the question: How the hell did a a Muslim numbering system get on the Kensington runestone that's carved in Scandinavian runes? Okay, wow. now Ooh. who interacted with Arabs during medieval times, guys? Can you Templars. answer that question? The Knights Templar the Knights were actually Templar. Uh, yeah, very spent a lot of time in. with them. They actually did and a lot of work with the assassins or the Hashishin, yeah. as they're called. Yeah, and the Druze, and mm -hmm. so you know the the whole idea that the that the Templars were the fighting force of the Roman Catholic Church is pretty much what they wanted people to believe, mm -hmm. but. You remember that old phrase, keep your friends close, your enemies closer? Mm -hmm. They were practicing a different ideology. And when they went to the Holy Land and captured uh, Jerusalem for, for Christendom, mm -hmm. um, it was one of the most brilliant ploys of all time. And I don't believe for a second that less than 100 years later, it was taken away from them. I think they gave it up. Because mm -hmm. they had finished their mission there to get the information, the documents, um, the artifacts that that they they went there to get. Right. There's plenty of data out there too that says that the Templars were actually trying to reconcile differences between Christianity mm. and and 
you know the Muslim tradition Muslim, because right. they had they, I mean they were basically cultural vessels. I mean, I mean they were spending all that time. They and, they, they, they merged they they diverged from if you go back historically really from the same thing just yeah. like just, just like Judaism. Yep. Mm -hmm. So another connection that I had to the to the number ten. And again, I, maybe I'm just spitballing here. I'm not smart with this stuff, and it's just kind of curious things. But on Oak Island, there every ten feet, correct? There were planks down Oak uh, down the Oak Island money pit, correct? Okay, time out, time out, timing out, timing out. I got this is a thirty second time out. All right, this is full, this is a full time out. All right, we're going to take a full time out right now. All okay? right, all right. So I, I I'm. I'm sorry if this blows uh, somebody's bubble, but I can tell you with almost 100% certainty, there's nothing on Oak Island. Okay. No flood tunnels. Um, I work in the TV business. Mm -hmm. uh, all I can say is enjoy it as a TV show mm -hmm. because that's what it is. Okay. All right. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, well, I, it, it, there is something wrong with it, but no, I, no, I nothing wrong with it. the fact that yeah. that there's nothing on Oak Island. Like yeah. there's, it's been yeah. it's been thrown around that there's nothing on there anyway, and it was kind of a, you know, whatever. Whether it was just kind of like a, a system that was put on Oak Island to throw people off the scent or whatever the case may be. But. Well, I, I, it was a decoy site for sure, no question mm -hmm. about it. It worked beautifully. It's working. It's working to this day. Right. But you know the the the. Um, uh, the flood tunnels and all that. I mean, there's no evidence for any of it. And, 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 and quite frankly, it's nonsense because if you stop and think about it, this is a glacial and moraine island on the ocean, right? Mm -hmm. yep. So when you dig below the water table level, mm -hmm. there's going to be water. <laughs> water yeah. is kind of okay. part of the deal. There are no flood tunnels. <laughs> right. It's the oh, it's the water yep. table. Right. <laughs> God, and, and it's and do you think? Do you really think uh -huh. that these guys are the first ones to use a metal detector on those beaches? Probably right. not. Yeah, I mean it's really? been dug up so well, many they, times. And boy, when they need something, boy, they find something, yeah, don't they? Right. That my I'll wife said the same thing. Saying, I'll just finish by saying this: I've been invited personally uh -huh. by the president of Prometheus, the uh -huh. production company that makes that show, right. who is a great production company they do uh -huh. a great job uh -huh. um they've asked me four times to come on that show and i i respectfully declined all four times hmm. and i could have used the money because they're making a lot of money i kind of wondered why right. you were never because i mean they reference a lot of your research right and i was like well, well they also had sure. another geologist who's on there now They've got a few, yeah. They've, they've got, got they've got a couple guys that are yeah. like rock specialists and right. like they got it. specialists. You knock yourself out, guys. Yeah, I'll I'll pass. <laughs> Hard pass. My last then the, my last connection would be let's we scrapped Oak Island. We threw it to the side. Yep. I I'm find sorry. it interesting that in order to get into a commandery of Knights Templar, you knock three times three plus one, which is ten. Yeah. Any connection to that? Potentially. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. That's the first time I've even thought about that. But um, you know what? It, let's put it this way. It, the more I I do this, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the more I find that these so-called coincidences right. mm-hmm. are not coincidences, and and I've come to the conclusion that none of this is is coincidence. Right. So uh, let me just back up for one second, just say one more mm-hmm. thing. Um, I'm actually writing my next book now, and a lot of what I talk about when I or what I say when I talk about Oak Island mm-hmm. will become self-evident when this book comes out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And I, I wish I could say more, oh. but all I'll say is that I'm working with um, two more sets of documents mm-hmm. that the world has not seen yet. Okay, cool. And it will blow your mind, especially as as Freemasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will tell you this because now um, the discoverer of one batch of these documents is publishing a book in the spring, mm-hmm. and his. Um, he is brother uh, William Mann. Do you guys ever hear, ever heard of William Mann? That name that sounds... Man, man with two N's? M-A-N-N? Yeah, I was yes. just going to ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. name sounds He's familiar. He's author. He is, um, in August, he was installed as the Supreme Grand Master of the uh, Knights Templar for all of Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've known Bill for many years. Bill is um, half native. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he... Um, um, well, I'll just tell you the story because this will this will blow your mind. Okay? okay, so several years ago he called me and he said, "Scott, you're not going to believe this." And I wasn't a Mason at the time, but he knew that I knew enough about Masonry to be impressed with what he found. Mm-hmm. So he was the Grand Archivist for all of Canada, right? Mm-hmm. And what happened was when he became the Grand Archivist, somebody told him that the previous guy, who was an old guy in his nineties, a brother in his nineties had not turned everything over. And it turns out that there was a briefcase under his bed. So Bill went to visit him and he said, brother, you need to, you need to turn this over. And and he did. Uh Um, He was just guarding it. Uh And what was in that briefcase. And and let me just back up for a second, because I want to tell you that there were 27 letters written by Albert Pike Uh in that briefcase. That the world has never seen. Really? To this day. <laughs> wow. Okay. Now, this is about six, seven years ago. So, anyway, just to give you a, a brief history, do you know what Albert Pike did for a living? I know he was a Civil War general. I know he yeah. wrote a lot. <laughs> yes, he did. Sometimes yeah. repetitively. Yep, over and over. And over. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but he's very colorful. I, yeah. I've read Morals and Dogmas. Yes, I'm sure yes, you have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he was I don't a lawyer. Know And he represented the Western First Nations tribes Mm -hmm. to make sure that that the government would honor the treaties and agreements that they made with with the indigenous people. And, of course, they never did. Uh, That's why that's why Brother Pike died penniless. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know that. But anyway, after the Civil War, um, there was a lynch mob from the north that went down and they were going to lynch him. And he escaped to Canada. And he lived with then um, the then uh, Grand Master of the Masonic uh, Knights Templar in Canada, W.J.B. McLeod Moore. And while Pike was up there, he wrote a letter to President Andrew Johnson, the one we're hearing so much about now in the news, Mm -hmm. because he was the first president to be impeached, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mason as well. Pardon me? He was a Freemason as well. He was a Freemason as well. Oh, Andrew Jackson, excuse me. Andrew Jackson was a 
Freemason, Andrew not Jackson Andrew. was too, but this was Andrew Johnson. Sorry, Andrew yep, Johnson. Then he, no, he was not. <laughs> well, I think he was though. I think he might oh, really. Been. Andrew Johnson, look it up. I think he might have yeah, been. Yeah, I failed that shot color trivia. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it might be out there, but anyway, I don't. I, I if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But but Pike wrote a letter to him asking for a pardon, mm-hmm. and he got it. Oh wow! So he came back after being, um, you know, in the sanctuary that McLeod Moore provided for him. Mm-hmm. He came back to the United States, but he still felt a little bit like a prisoner in his own country. And that's when he started to write Morals and Dogma. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of the degrees that um, he wrote about that became part of our Scottish Rite degree system, a lot of that information came from from McLeod Moore. Because MacLeod Moore traveled the world, especially in Europe and um, in the Scandinavian countries, and he learned a lot of European ritual. And he shared that information with Pike. Of these 27 letters, many of them are that correspondence uh, uh, from Pike to him, you know, thanking him for the information that he got about these degrees from these countries he was visiting. Pike wasn't allowed to travel. Anyway. that's the bulk of what these 27 letters uh, talk about. Wow, However, awesome. there is one letter that will absolutely change everything. Wow. <laughs> I'll just say this. How long do we have to wait for this book? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? <clears throat> um, uh, I better wait. <clears throat> anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, yep, don't say no more. Say no more. So eventually, we'll read about this. I'm sorry. Are you familiar with the secret vault in Montana? Secret vault in Montana? No, I know about uh, the caves in Little Egypt, but I don't know about the the vault. Oh, you're talking about Burroughs Cave. I, I yes. I've been there, done that. And until the cave is turned, I, I knew Russell really well. He stayed at my house. He's he's one of the biggest liars I've ever met. But. Wow. <laughs> I would use a different phrase. I'll just say biggest liar. There you go. Fair enough. How about this? FOS. <laughs> I thought you were going to try smelling your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, caves in Montana. Um, no, never heard of them. No. Bill, Bill Mann, um, several years ago, shared with us through his Medewin brothers. Do you know what Medewin is? No, I'm not familiar with that. Medewin is the secret society of the of the natives. Oh, no, interesting. interesting. Yeah, interesting. They have they have their own secret society, and you know what? It is exactly the same. I'll say it again: exactly the same as Freemasonry. Really? Wow. At the end of uh, uh, a certain ritual, a brother is raised. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And anyway, the the natives, they they have their own secret society. I've been in their sweats, and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. But um, they were given permission in 2012. Their prophecy said it's time to share what they know. And one of the things they shared was the uh, secret vault in Montana uh, of their blood brothers, the uh, Knights Templar. Wow. Yes. That's crazy. And I'm not kidding. Um, 
so this vault is where certain secret things were hidden. And um, um, I think they might be ready to, uh, it's, it's being guarded. Well, let's put it this way. It's being guarded by a certain tribe mm-hmm. of natives. And you probably heard of a couple of guys. You ever heard of Lewis and Clark? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Once or twice. Yeah. A couple times. You remember, you remember uh, kind of an important historical event called uh, the Louisiana Purchase? Yep. Yes, sir. You know what the crown jewel of the Louisiana Purchase was? Mm, crown jewel of Louisiana Purchase. No. The secret vault. Uh, very remember, Thomas Jefferson was the uh, ambassador to France, the American ambassador to France for uh-huh. five years, right. 1785 to 1789. Uh-huh. He was a member of the Lodge of Nine Sisters in France. Yep, yep, I knew that. Mm-hmm. That was Ben Franklin and Voltaire and some other people. Uh-huh. And I think what happened is somebody whispered in his ear. And um, <clears throat> so when the Louisiana Purchase was, and, and who did we buy that from? Well, Louisiana Purchase was bought from France, wasn't it? Was it for, no? Yes, it was France, wasn't well, it? Napoleon. Napoleon. Oh, okay. Needed money for its wars. I just like Russia. watching you sweat, George. I don't. I, I, I'm more of a military history. I'm not. I know, I know. Well, this is military history. Yeah, yeah. Military history. All right. I mean, you know, he was a he was a soldier. Anyway, um, so Lewis was a Mason during the. Um, the exploration expedition mm-hmm. and um, Clark was not, not yet. He became a Mason after. Right. Um, and there was secret communication between <laughs> Thomas Jefferson and Meriwether Lewis. You can look this up. Mm-hmm. They had, they used a, uh, a, a cipher code um, with the key phrase artichokes. Is this ring a bell? Yep. A little bit. Yeah, I yes. seem to remember that from uh, actually probably something I saw on the History Channel a while yeah, back. Yeah, that actually, artichoke. Yes. When you said artichoke, yeah. it kind of yeah. rang a bell a little and bit. Why would those two have secret communication? There's no need for why it. Why would they need to? Very well, yeah. Lewis. Yeah, I know. There is and no only reason. Lewis. Mm. Well, anyway, on the way back in 1806, July of 1806, they separated. Mm-hmm. And um, Lewis took nine guys with him. Plus one. Oh, there's ten. And they went they went up the little Big Fork River and where he crossed the divide and wrote very little in his journal, if anything. Uh-huh. He was within less than a day's ride of the secret vault. And I I believe that he was checking on it. Now there's more to this story because and I write about this in the new book, but in the winter of eighteen oh three and eighteen oh four, Lewis and Clark stayed with the Mandan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's the Mandan were the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Indians. Uh-huh. You know where they're? Um, well, they were kind of a, a nomadic tribe. They would, they were an, an agrarian society, and they would move with the with the seasons. Uh-huh. But you know where they were absolute? They were relatively close to mm. the, the Kensington Runestone. Oh, just saying. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's where they met Sacagawea, right? Or Sacagawea, but they mm-hmm. say Sacagawea. Yep. Who had been kidnapped by the um, uh, the Hadatsa tribe, and she ended up with the Mandan. But her tribe were the Shoshone, the horse people. Mm-hmm. And her brother was the chief. His name was Kamehawe. And 
Lewis was very interested in meeting with Kamehameha, not the least of which was to get the horses, which enabled them to get to the Pacific. Without the horses, they wouldn't have made it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he wanted to be introduced to the chief of the Blackfoot. Why was that? Interesting. Well, the Blackfoot, I know, were in Montana. Right. right. Which is where the secret caves are. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right. Very and cool. Anyway, um, there's more to that story. So, um, by the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, it's great stuff. But there's a tie with the Kensington runestone, too. Now, uh, right. Brother Scott, is part of this um, story covered in. Um, in uh, William Mann's Templar Sanctuaries in North America, because I, yeah. I was doing a little yes. bit of Googling, and yep. I was like, oh. Yep. Which seems yep. to be... <laughs> well, yep. Another interesting and thing that you... you would... and I were working on this story for for a number of years, and okay. and we've we've sort of been doing a volley back and forth with the release oh. of our books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and mine is out now, Bill's is next, uh -huh. and then mine's next, and then his is... We, we got some more stuff coming. <laughs> okay. But, I'm going to have this, to catch up here then. <laughs> <laughs> the I will tell you this, that um, I think what I'm hoping is, is that people are going to be uh, intrigued by this information that Bill and I are slowly revealing. Mm -hmm. We're getting help from the indigenous people. The indigenous people know all about this story, about the Templars here. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's time that they were heard. Mm -hmm. It was time that we acknowledged what happened. Right, that genocide thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we need to we need to acknowledge that, and we need to apologize. Yeah, we. Uh... And, and then we and then we can then then we'll have all kinds of fun. We uh, we Americans did some pretty shady shit back yeah. in the day. <laughs> Needless to say, it's time to we admit did. to it. We um, did, and you know, it's it's sad because you know when we go back farther, and and more of this will be self evident the days to come. Mm -hmm. But there was such a strong bond between the indigenous people and our brethren, mm -hmm. our sonic brethren, the, the men of the craft. And I'm talking prior to 1717. Mm -hmm. um, and they did things for us. They kept their promise. Right. Yep. Oh, I, actually, we, we, we did not. Another ironic thing is there's actually, I don't know for you because you're southern jurisdiction, but... Um, we actually have a Scottish Rite degree with Native Americans in it. Oh, really? Yes, and it we talks about uh, um, it talks about uh, Native Americans sitting with brothers around a fire, having a conversation about certain things. So hmm. that's kind of interesting that you had said that. Well, there's a reason, isn't there? I yeah. don't think it's another one of those coincidences. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so either. So you guys know Andrew Johnson? Yep. 17th president of the United States was, in fact, a brother of Greenville Lodge, number 119 in Greenville, Tennessee. Yep. There you go. Yes, he was. Another <clears throat> interesting thing that you had pointed out, again, I'm, I'm bringing it back to the Holy uh, to the uh, Holy Grail in America show, uh, okay. the Mi'kmaq tribe and their yep. battle flag yep. or their flag and how it mimicked, it was almost a mirror image of Prince Henry Sinclair. Um, it's just reversed, right? Yeah. One is on this side of the Atlantic, one's on the other side. That's the reason it's reversed. That's that's in that's incredible, though. And you know, for those who yeah. sit there and say that uh, he wasn't there, I, I mean, it, it's the writings on the wall, just with the with that flag alone. And then <laughs> writing is on the rocks. Yeah, <laughs> literally, yeah, that as well. Yeah, or the writing is on the rocks. 
uh, even the crosses and stuff that were found up in that area as well. There was, I believe you had found, uh, I guess it was a Portuguese cross, I guess you can call it correct. Is that? Well, that's the, that's the Overton stone. Yeah. And, Overton stone, and that yep. is very interesting. I'm, I actually have a method for dating it and I'm, mm. I'm hoping we'll be able to do it on TV. We'll see. But, um, I have no doubt that it's, it was, um, it was an agreement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, an alliance between the between the Templars and uh, and the indigenous folks there, the Mi'kmaq. They say Mi'kmaq, we say Micmac. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, the story is undeniable. And, and quite frankly, when when I go back and think about how this whole thing started for me with the runestone, and you know, I say this in my lectures, and it's really true. What convinced me that the runestone was authentic, and you got to remember, I knew nothing about the controversy. I knew nothing about mm. academia had, uh, had had already put this thing, you know, buried and gone and dead, and the, mm. the grass was growing on its grave. Mm. I knew no, nothing about that. Mm-hmm. When I did the investigation in the laboratory, and I did the, the tombstone study, I compared the weathering of the runestone inscription with the weathering of tombstones. Mm-hmm. And the rock told me that it was old. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it had to be genuine. Wow. Rocks never lied to me. Right. <laughs> rocks, don't care. right. rocks don't have egos. Uh, rocks don't have agendas. Right. I trust rocks. Mm-hmm. I don't trust some people. Mm, right. Yeah. Stories are one well, thing, but scientific yeah. evidence is quite another. Right. Facts are facts are another. And and so and then I found out that it was supposedly fake and. Um, and I kept saying, well, what's your evidence? And um, I'm still waiting. Yeah. But but once I knew that the the runestone was real, then I knew that a bunch of other things also had to be out there. Right. One is somebody carved it. Uh-huh. They came from some place for some reason. Right. Has to be right. Right. Yep. So that's what led me on that journey to follow the evidence trail. And the evidence trail took me straight to the Templars and nobody else. And so I can remember back then one of the criticisms that I received when I started talking about the Templars was, oh, you're just going down the Da Vinci Code road. (laughs) I didn't read the Da Vinci Code (laughs) till 2010. And uh, like I said, I just followed the evidence because at the very beginning, the foundation for everything was the rock right and it said it was real and uh it was right <laughs> mm-hmm. right uh now i have a question for you you also did the narragansett stone correct right uh that ended up missing and then they ended up finding it right it was right. or was it uh, like the, the... it just reminded me of something i have to do i have to come <laughs> up with a uh a design for they built a structure over it it's it's in north kingstown you can go visit it right but it's wide open and mm. because it's you know it's got the hook decks and it's controversial and it could be connected to the templars it is connected to the templars right. you know all it takes is one zealot to uh you know to destroy yeah, it right. so i want them to to have a security fence around it and mm. uh, um if i have to i'll reach out to the brotherhood to get to get some help to put that up because that's part of our history. We don't fully understand exactly what that inscription says yet. I think that's a cipher code, Uh uh, uh, coded inscription, but the hook decks tells me when and who did it. Right. Uh, But anyway, I have to come up with 
with the design for that. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you no, reminded no. me of something I need to do. You actually answered my question, and that was my question, was uh, have you deciphered it? Have you figured out what it says? No, we have not. There's, there's. I think what it is, it's it's more of, if you go back and you look at the, the, um, the Viking Age runic tradition, Viking, uh, Viking Age runes actually stood for words and concepts. Uh-huh. Sometimes an astronomical uh, uh, meaning as well. So uh-huh. I think it's more along that line because it doesn't spell anything out. And it has Viking Age runes, it's got medieval runes, and it's got other symbols that really don't even fit into the runic tradition. Right. So um, it needs to be it needs to be deciphered and decoded. Have you seen the spirit pond st- uh, stones? I sure have. Are they legitimate or are they not legitimate? Absolutely. Of course they're legitimate. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I know they have a lot of uh, I, 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 I say that because I've, I've heard so much of this criticism and there's just there's there's no evidence. It's just right. people's opinion, you know. Right. And uh, the whole thing was the guy sat down in a rock. He was looking for arrowheads and he looked down and boom, there they were. Like. Yeah, so, he was smoking a cigarette. He saw a little cigarette. corner of a rock sticking out of the grass, and he dug it out, and there was all three of them were, were together. Actually, right. there's four of them. Mm-hmm. There's a, a small uh, amulet that, that you wear around your neck, a stone amulet that, oh, wow. that's got like three runes on it and mm-hmm. uh, what looks like pentatic numbers and a big cross. And wow. yeah, it's, huh. it's, they're absolutely authentic. That's and they're awesome. right there at the mouth of the Kennebec River. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is, this is where Templars would. They would look for these types of landmarks, right, where, where major rivers would meet the ocean and then they would send parties up the rivers to explore. I mean, you know, you, you, you have to think like a, a 14th century uh, explorer and how they operated. And, right. and that's where they're finding these things. Uh, Westford Knight, the Westford yeah. Knight. Uh, to me, it just looks like a rock. <laughs> I, don't, I can't see anything. I did like, oh, there's the body and the shield and the sword. I'm like. Okay. That's BS. That's total BS. There's no, there's no knight there. Okay. There's no shield. There's no gun clan coat of arms. I mean, that's all okay. happy. You know what? But um, look, there is a beautiful sword there. They okay. took advantage of the glacial striations. Mm-hmm. There's a perfect hilt with a guard, mm-hmm. and you have a medieval sword. And I've spent a lot of time over in Europe at Templar sites, and I've looked at many Templar graves. And you know what I see on a lot of them? Uh, a, they, sword. a sword. A sword. Yeah. Uh, for, we a fall, actually, for a fallen night, and that's yeah. all you need. We and actually, I get I get upset with, you know, a lot of my supporters that say, "Well, gee, you got the knight there and the gun clan." I go, "No, you don't." I said, right. "All you're doing is giving our opponents ammunition to dismiss us. You've got a beautiful sword there, and that's all you need. Right. So don't don't go making stuff up. It's hard enough as it is. So right. stick to the facts, and we'll be fine. There's also a hooked X there." Wow. Uh, wow. It, it's it's a it's, it's a small that. hooked X that's just off to the left. It's it's almost like the person that carved, uh, you know, the pecked grooves of the sword mm-hmm. put this X there as uh, like like they were signing their work. It's beautiful. I actually have a book that um, that I had read. I can't. God, the name of the book escapes me, and I'll find out for you if you want to know. But it talked about. Uh, two guys who went to northern Scotland, and they I want to say they were in the town of Arlen, A R L L Y N. Is that the like uh, that. Temple in the Lodge? Temple in the Lodge, yeah. I think it is. Well, that, book um, the Temple in the Lodge, that's um, uh, oh, the Lomas and 
Chris Lo- Christopher Knight and Robert Lomas. Thank you. Yep. Um, and one of the interesting things that he had pointed out is that the Templars didn't believe in individuality. They were for the good of the order. Right. Sounds familiar. Um, <laughs> uh, in our ritual. But they didn't actually, on their gravestones they didn't actually put their names or anything they would just take their sword and chisel out the image of their sword on their gravestone uh is that anything you found in your research to be true yeah yeah same same thing although in in some places where you had um uh templars that were uh from well-to-do families i mean like if you go to temple church in london Mm. you know you have the effigies of full knights carved right um you know on their uh grave slabs and i've mm. seen them in templar churches i was just in scotland here shooting um you know this last season mm-hmm. and i went into corstorphine church and there was jean sinclair who was the daughter of earl henry sinclair mm-hmm. married to um uh john corstorf uh, john forrester mm. and the two the two full images of her and him um full-bodied three-dimensional carvings are there and what's interesting is if you know how to read symbolism um when you see a knight with his legs crossed um that means that he fought in the crusades and you know there's 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 all kinds of different symbolism that, that tells you um about their lives about when they died how they died it's really very interesting but in most cases like lomas and knight said um, you know, if they couldn't afford the big expensive grave slabs that were carved in three dimensions, they just carve a sword. Mm. A lot of times there'd be a break in the sword, meaning a fallen knight. Million dollar question. What do you believe the Templar treasure was? Well. And is there a treasure? Yes, there is a treasure. And I will say this. Um, this is another reason why the premise of Oak Island is so ridiculous. Um, and you guys, this will be self-evident when I say it. Would the Templars ever put all their eggs in one basket? No, no absolutely wouldn't not. So. Wouldn't be logical to do that. Would anyone with a brain do that? <laughs> no. The Templars put them in multiple places, and they didn't put them all in the secret vault, but they put very important things in the secret vault. Mm-hmm. And yes, we do know what the treasure is. The treasure is gold and silver, Uh documents, Uh maps, Uh artifacts, Uh remains. No ark. Well, tell you what. Let me ask you a question. Or holy grail. (laughs) What if I told you that the secret to the ark wasn't where it was? Okay. But how, but how to make one? Hmm. That would actually make a lot of sense. Um, a lot of people who keep secrets, like if you have a, a document, you destroy the document and just memorize it. And if you memorize it, no, they're yeah. never going to get it because yeah, if they kill you and say, yeah. oh, we're going to kill you for it, eh, well, go for it. Then <laughs> it's gone for good. Right. <laughs> so now that makes sense. Yeah. And actually, we have. Uh, um, in, in the new book, we have a page from a 12th century document that has exactly that, the instructions wow. on how to build an ark. That's interesting. Um, 
I more of, uh, believe it or not, I actually do my own little, I, I'm not a, a not college boy or anything like that. I'm a jarhead who learned how to shoot things for a living. Um, <laughs> but I got really, really turned on to the, um, the Sumerian tablets and their connection with different things and the Holy of Holies and the, in a lot of the work that I surround myself or work, but I I've read the, uh, Zechariah Sitchin books, but I've also mm -hmm. done a lot of research outside of that with other people who have done the whole, uh, deciphering of the Sumerian tablets and they're similar, but different, you know, different belief systems on it. And I, 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 fully believe that at one point there was an arc and it had an insane amount of power but i mean after i mean wars and if if the templars had it and moved it and i mean things degrade over time so um uh, i i think there's there's more than one arc there isn't just one arc right okay they like said it's it's how to make one and yes it is very powerful um if you've read, if you ever read any Lawrence Gardner uh, of his work about the Sacred Ark and monoatomic mono gold, have you ever heard of that? I've heard of that. Yes, monoatomic gold. gold. It's like uh, white powder. It's not. Uh, they call it mana. Mana. Yeah. Actually, we or mana. They they mm -hmm. they talk about it in some of our rituals. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so, actually, in the York Rite, the yeah. uh, I think it's inside of the Ark in one particular degree. Really? Well, it's deposited inside the ark. So, according to our directions in here, mm -hmm. uh, to make powdered gold, mm -hmm. that's one of the functions of the ark is to make powdered gold. But the ironic thing is, to make powdered gold, you need to have powdered gold to make more of it. Right, right. To set up the monoatomic convection cell, mm. and it's a it's an energy source that. Uh, creates no waste and it, it it takes no power once it goes it just runs itself right and um this is something that um our government is aware of and mm. they're 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 keeping it from us mm. no no our government doesn't keep things from us do mm. they unprecedented <laughs> my, my fault, brothers i'm sorry i can't i can't believe i just said that <laughs> <laughs> no uh, um, never <laughs> never <laughs> Um, I mean, they have a whole air base out in the middle of Nevada, but no, no, we don't. No, we don't. I, I can see your yeah, fence yeah, over there. Until recently, now, now, they just now. said it wasn't there at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I ask you guys a question? Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to ask you my question. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot and be honest, okay? Okay. You got a flag sitting over there. Yes, sir. So let me ask you this. It's a very old flag, by the way. There's only 48 stars on that flag. You know, I noticed that. I mm -hmm. saw they were all lined up perfectly, so it has to be an, an even number, but 50 doesn't quite work that way. Mm -hmm. This flag actually was used when we marched uh, for the, I think it was World War One. Our lodge marched up Main Street here, and it was the flag that they, they marched with. Oh, is that right? So that's why oh. she hangs there. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so here's my question. Do either of you know the origin of the five-pointed star? Five-pointed star. I, um, I, okay. I would have to say King Solomon. And the reason being is because the seal of Solomon was actually the pentagram that the Catholic Church perverted. 
I can't think of any references going further back <laughs> than that, so I'll have to agree with Right Worshipful Brother George on this one. I could but be wrong. George, that was a, a beautiful attempt, but that's a complete swing and a miss. Oh. <laughs> I love you. I love you. But, it's uh, my height, I think. It's my height. I was underneath the ball. That was the problem. <laughs> that's what it was. It was a great attempt. It was. It was nice. Anyway, no, um, seriously, think about this, though. Mm-hmm. Um, there's 50 of them on our flag. 48 in this case. And <laughs> and we, we, we put our hand on our heart. We pledge allegiance to it every day. But yet nobody in this country knows what it means. And don't feel bad. You guys are Freemasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, imagine the general public, right? right. And would you not mm-hmm. agree that the five-pointed star is arguably the iconic symbol of our nation? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows the origin of it. Don't you think that's incredible? Yeah. It's- strange for sure yeah so so one of the premises um that i have been pushing for a long time and you might remember i I was just really starting to understand it when i did holy grail in america (laughs) but i understand it now more than ever is the concept that the templars embraced um a deep veneration for the feminine aspect of the godhead i.e the goddess Mm -hmm. And this this was something that would have been um, it it would have meant death for the Templars if the church understood what their true beliefs were. This was the dirty little secret that they kept. It was also the, the key thing that allowed them to be so successful on this continent because Native Americans also embraced the feminine aspect of the goddess um, in their ideology. And this was the single most important thing that these two cultures had that bound them together in this deep, deep appreciation and bond with each other. That is why the natives say when they talk to me about the Templars, they call them their blood brothers. Mm-hmm. Now, why is that? What does this all go back to? And why is, you know, why are the stars and stripes on our flag? The reason is because the five-pointed star is created as we view the planet Venus from Earth over eight Earth years. It makes the five-pointed star. Now, eight, that number is the sacred number to the Templars. Well, actually, that and the number 13. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? I knew of the number 13. Mm-hmm. I was not sure. I didn't know about the eight. Well, you know the, the cryptic code on the Kensington runestone? Mm-hmm. The very first number, the very first thing that you see in the Kensington rune inscription is the pentatic number eight, oh. eight Goths and 22 Northmen. Mm-hmm. And the cryptic code is a series of numbers within the inscription. Right. You know how many numbers it is? Eight. Eight. So when you start to know what these sacred numbers are and where to look for them, it'll help you um, vet or authenticate certain documents. Mm. So as we let's go back to Venus for a second. Mm. Venus has always been considered the physical manifestation of the goddess in the heavens. That's why we refer to her as she. Mm. Okay. Now, as it makes this five-pointed star, What's really, really important about that five-pointed star, and of course, what do we call the the, the female um, affiliated body of the uh, of, of Freemasonry? 
uh, Amaranth or Order Eastern, Eastern Star. Star. Order of the Eastern, Eastern Star. Star, right? And what's the symbol? It's an upside down five pointed star. Right. Well, here's what's important about that. Here's where the connection comes, and you'll get it immediately as brothers. Mm-hmm. If you look at a five pointed star, what's in the middle? Uh, that would be a Pentagon. Pentagon, correct. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take any one of the five lines of that pentagon and you assign that length the value of one mm-hmm. the value of the arm if you extend it in any direction mm-hmm. of the ten lines that make up the five points of that five pointed star mm-hmm. the length of those arms is one to one point six one eight something something golden something. ratio you got it wow hmm. You got it, brother. That's crew. We covered now, that. Why is that. What's so important about that? Everything in nature mm-hmm. is by the golden ratio. Yes. Yep. Everything wow. in nature, everything in the universe. You made me feel smart. The Thank iconic, you. Yeah. The, the iconic symbol of the golden ratio or the Fibonacci sequence is a spiral, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Golden spiral. Just like a hurricane. Mm-hmm. Just right. like a galaxy out in the universe. Nautilus shell. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Plants. It's in our bodies. Our bones have the same golden ratio. Mm. That is why when artists, smart artists that incorporate the golden ratio into their art, mm-hmm. they'll be more successful. The reason is when you look at art that incorporates the golden ratio, because it's in our DNA, wow. we gravitate to it. It's more aesthetically. Does that make sense? Yep. That's that's incredible. So, so if if the Fibonacci sequence, the golden ratio, uh, essentially is the key to life in the universe, who are the life givers? Hmm. Women. Yep. Yeah. That Fair makes sense. That, that that is why it's associated. She is Venus is associated with the with uh, with the feminine. Now we also have the moon goddess, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because there are 13 synodic cycles of the moon, which correlate to women's menstrual cycles. Yep. And of course, the triple goddess, the third, is Mother Earth, right? That's where all this golden ratio is. So it's really, really important to to understand this and to realize that our founding fathers, they knew all this. Mm. The goddess is embedded within Freemasonry. Mm. But we don't see it. She has been veiled over the last 250 years, but right. she is still there. Right. You know that light in the east mm-hmm. that everybody thinks is the sun? Mm-hmm. It's actually Venus. Wow. That's, that's and, incredible. And, and, and I'll just take it one more step for you. Mm-hmm. Well, you could mm-hmm. even take that and put it to the solstices, right? Sure. That's where you're going, weren't you? The solstices, yeah, because here's what happens. You know, Venus occurs as a morning star and an evening star, star, right? And it is the third brightest heavenly body in the sky Hmm. behind the sun and the moon. In fact, in ancient times when we didn't have all this noise light, it it was so bright it would cast a shadow. Wow. Hmm. But... When Venus rises as a morning star, it's bright until the sun rises. And in most ancient religions, the sun is considered a male deity. 
Okay. Mm. Yep. So she's still there right next to the sun, but he blots out the brightness. You can't see Venus anymore. And they go together across the sky and set. Now, when she's an evening star, the sun sets and she follows. Wow. They're always together relative to Earth. And that is why in mystical circles, they call them the eternal travelers in the heavens. And so when you start to look at certain allegories, things begin to make sense. Wow. Like oh, I see. the resurrection. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. When, when Jesus rose, mm -hmm. the, 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 what, what we call him, uh, the son of God or the son God, who was there when he rose? Mary Magdalene. Oh, was it Mary? Or was it? Yes. Even, yeah. When he rose. Mary or... Magdalene, mm -hmm. the goddess. Mm -hmm. She's always there. Right. Just think about that for a second. That's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. And then, and then the next time you, you, you pledge allegiance and you look at that flag. By the way, how many stripes does it have? Thirteen. And why is that? Uh, well, I mean, if you go back to... to Oh, that's I see where you're going. I see where he's going. <laughs> all right, originally the thirteen colonies, but right. all right, I see where he's. Colonies. I'm picking up what you're putting down. All uh, right. Well, the next time you put your hand on your heart, think about the sacred feminine. That's uh, that's hey, quite incredible. Here's one. Here's one for you. You know what? America's team. They should be called the Dallas Goddesses. <laughs> The New England Patriots. We're New England Patriots fans. <laughs> oh, stop it! Stop it! Stop it! We're from New England. I mean, we really can't help I ourselves, Scott. Want, I'm from Minnesota. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I've lost four Super Bowls. I don't want to hear about your success. <laughs> um, yeah, but we have to hear it from Giants fans in the local area because they beat us twice. Uh, um, well, there, there you go. Although we get to laugh at the Jets fans, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I just wanted to, to, to say, uh, first, thank you for explaining all that because when you started with the Eastern star thing, I'm like, damn it, I'm going to have to get another dues card, aren't I? <laughs> like, great. He Most got me, likely. he's going to get me to affiliate now. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, I think, I think we want to support the ladies. And, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, yep. You know, you know, one of the questions that I get a lot, and I know you guys get it too, is, you know, why can't women be Freemasons? And, mm -hmm. All I say is, um, when you go back far enough in time, women were, and there, there, there isn't anything that we do. Let's face it, lodge that the women can't handle. No, but you know, it's a fraternal organization, and there's a tradition and a mm -hmm. history that goes with that. And um, I don't feel like it's it's our job to try to change it. Mm -hmm. um, the ladies have Eastern Star, and and um, you know, I the one thing I will say is that. Um, Freemasonry really does support the ladies. They support mm -hmm. families, the widows, the orphans. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm proud to have a square and compass on the back of my wife's car mm -hmm. because if she's ever uh, broken down on the side of the road and a brother pulls over to help her, I know she'll be in good hands. And I don't, I wouldn't yep. worry for a second. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I have so many labels on the back of my car, I can't see out the back window. But yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> <this afternoon. laughs> Well, in some some places, people say it's a target, but 
If it is, I say, bring it, baby. Yeah. yeah. I think George can take care of himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> Two way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, George, have, have, have you served? I was in the Marine Corps, yes. Yes, I was in the you Marine Corps. You were? Mm-hmm. Uh, many, many, many moons ago. Well, thank you for your service, brother. Uh, I, you're welcome, but I will also just say um, that my my normal plug is that I was too stupid to go to college. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what? Um, the, the the work that our, our people do in the military and law enforcement, and um, you know, I I would I would have served. I didn't have to. I I mm. missed the draft and all that years ago, but I would have gone. Um, I would have been glad to go but uh i didn't and uh you know you guys help preserve uh, i know it sounds trite maybe sometimes to some people but um you know that flag and, and the, the the freedoms that we have it comes at a cost so we can't forget about the the people that are out there uh, working for us so yes, we appreciate man. it my sarcasm is humbleness because when people say thank you i'm like yeah, yeah it's kind of you know, it's like oh, okay you're welcome. Defense <laughs> yeah, my my sarcasm is my defense mechanism. Uh, I That's try to okay. stay as humble just, as possible. Stay humble. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, even though Joe well, likes to ridicule me and say that I'm not. So, but. That's yeah. all right, though. If he made a whole damn puppet about me. It's, he's, he's not here today, though. Puppet so. George, yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, so, do you have any other questions you want to hit me up on? I yes. sort of get on my rants and I'm hard to turn off. No, no, that's fine. Uh, my only question I have is, uh, what are you going to be doing uh, in the near future? I heard you got some events well, coming up and books coming out. Uh, well, the book is out. The book is uh, right here. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, Cryptic Code of the Templars in America, mm-hmm. Origins of the Hook Decks. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I think this is my best work. I mean, I've done... Mm-hmm. My previous book was Akhenaten to the Founding Fathers. Wow. Previous to that, I did the Hooked X. Mm-hmm. Previous to that, I did the Kensington Runestone, Compelling New Evidence. And oh, wow. I'm actually working on book five right now. But um, wow. but the new one that I have right now, seriously, is the best thing I've ever done. And I think I, I, think I can honestly say I, I know what happened. And... Mm. I'm going to slowly present the evidence. It's an extraordinary claim, so you need to have extraordinary proof. Mm-hmm. But we got it. And, awesome. and I will tell you this, guys. Um, the Templars, they came over here. They carved the Kensington runestone as a, as a, as a medieval land claim. And um, they passed the obligation of founding this nation onto our founding fathers and the brotherhood that we are now a part of. And they finished the job and it's called the United States of America and we're living in it. Mm -hmm. And if you stop and think about it, you know, two of the main tenants that were important to the Templars freedom from, you know, the, the uh, tyranny of the monarchs of Europe Mm -hmm. and freedom from the persecution of, uh, of religious tyranny Mm -hmm. of the, of the Roman Catholic church. And um, we have freedom of religion here. And uh, I think we fought a revolution. Yeah, yeah um, about tyranny. Or some of yeah. my British uh-huh. friends, that, that misunderstanding we had with the Brits. Uh-huh. But uh, make no mistake, the beginning of the founding of this country didn't happen in 1776. Uh-huh. It started in 1362. Uh-huh. Awesome. That's the date on the runestone. Right. And we need to embrace that history um, and that Templar history because it is our history. 
and we're the ones that are are carrying the mantle figuratively and literally. Mm-hmm. And so we need to defend that and we need to bring this story out because it is our history. And I think now more than ever, it's important that everybody in this country really understands where we came from mm-hmm. and that they know that our Constitution that we hear about every day, especially now, is a Masonic document. Right. Yep. They need to be reminded of that. Everybody should know what it's about. And there shouldn't be any ambiguity, especially with our politicians mm-hmm. who, um, you know, they're saying different things. And it, 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 it upsets me that we've been cast into the shadows oh. um, as an order. And it was it was us who founded this country. Oh. Nope, Am I wrong? No, not in my opinion, anyway. <laughs> Definitely not in my opinion. But, um, tr- so, one last question, final question, and I've been wondering this since I seen the Holy Grail in America, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll part our ways. But the Templars that you believe wrote the Kensington Runestone. I don't believe no. I know they did. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Where did they go? Did they just disseminate throughout the local area? They, like, you know what I mean? Like, once they were here, I mean, I granted, I know a bunch of them, according to the runestone, died. Mm-hmm. Assimilate to But some guys. of them, I'm assuming, survived. Like, did they assimilate into the uh, local population of uh, indigenous, indigenous... Indigenous. Thank you. Yes. Indians. <laughs> No, assimilation is exactly what happened. I mean, mm-hmm. um, the more you learn about the indigenous people, the more you understand there is no culture on the planet um, that learned, uh, that lives more in balance um, with its surroundings than, than indigenous people. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a good life. Yeah. And it's a simple life. And, and you got to remember something. The Templars were monks, right? Right. Yeah. They were Cistercian monks. And if you if you study anything about the monastic life, it's a simple life, right? Mm-hmm. And, and um, so it really wasn't much, if any, of a transition for him at all. And I got to tell you something those those native women are pretty hot. <laughs> That's his final bit of I'm, evidence, I'm ladies saying. and gentlemen. Hey, look, look, think about this, okay? They were outlawed, right? Right. Um, by the church. And by the by the by the monarchies of Europe, mm-hmm. there were plagues that were ravaging through Europe. Oh, what yeah. the hell do you want to stay over there for? Yeah, right? When you right. can come over here and you've got this beautiful culture, mm-hmm. um, this beautiful land, and nobody uh, watching you, you can they, do it. And they assimilated. You and yep. you know the other thing. Let me just tell you something else. You know, let's just talk about the Da Vinci Code for a second. Mm-hmm. The bloodline. Mm-hmm. There's no question that. That there is a bloodline of Jesus and Mary Magdalene and their mm-hmm. families that comes all the way down um, to today. And if it's right. in, you know, if it's in the Scottish Templars like Earl Henry Sinclair, it's mm-hmm. in me because I'm a direct descendant, as are probably a couple million people on the planet. So I hate right. to break it to you. Mm-hmm. You're not special. Right. <laughs> but the but but at that time. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the things that the church was doing is they were killing any of those members of the royal family that they could get their hands on right. for centuries, for millennia. Mm-hmm. One of the things I know the Templars did, mm. because they carried the blood, the bloodline literally in their veins, mm. they came over here and put it in the natives mm. to protect it. And you know, Sacagawea? Mm-hmm. 
I don't think it's a coincidence that she ended up with Lewis and Clark. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. The rumor is she's a descendant from one of those Templar knights. Mm. Wow. Just saying. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, that'd be cool. Did I answer your question? Yes, you did. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Brother Scott. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, if you're ever in the local area, you can come hang out with us, oh, hooligans. Yes, sir, please <laughs> Just do. Uh, Hey, you know about my lecture coming up on the 19th of this month, right? You're going to be at a- Lexington Lodge, and um, hang on, I'll tell you exactly where it is. Hold it, I got it right here. Because Brother Michael Zildjian just, uh, uh, da, 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 where is he? Okay. Uh, Simon, Simon W. Robinson Lodge, December 19th at 7 p.m. It's open to the public. And that's in Lexington, uh, Massachusetts. I'm going to drop some bombs on people. And I I have a big secret I'm going to reveal that I have not told even you guys. Ah, very nice. Excellent. Very nice. Seriously, if you guys want to come up, it's, there's going to be a lot of guys there. And, uh, my son is coming. One of the guys, well, three of the guys, that were with me when we went up on Hunter Mountain and found uh, an artifact up there. They're all we're all getting together at that talk, first time since we were up on the mountain in 2009. Oh, wow. And I'm going to tell that story. And uh, Steve St. Clair is going to be there. Oh, wow. uh, and uh, David Brody, my son, Don Rue. It's going to be amazing. It's it's really going to be fun. So if you can come, we'd love to have you. Yeah. Road trip? Yeah, road, road trip. trip. Road trip. <laughs> <laughs> drive, drive. <laughs> All right, brother Scott, we'll let you go. Thank you again for coming on. Um and uh looking forward to hopefully talking to you again. Please keep in touch. Yes, sir. I definitely will. And hey, listen, if there's anybody there that's interested in the new book, um I I sign all copies bought on my website www.hookdex.com h o o k e d x Spelled just like it sounds. Dot com. Excellent. You're melting the keyboard down for us, right? We'll get oh, it on the show notes. Absolutely. <laughs> All, All right. right. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, brother uh, Scott. It was a lot of fun. Yes, it was a, a very enlightening. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, brother Scott. All right. Bye, guys. Have a good night. Night. We are still live, but uh, we just finished up with uh, brother Scott Walter. What'd you think? pretty awesome i mean that he drove was... the entire conversation you pretty much asked all the questions that i had so i just kind of sat back and listened to the entire show and, and honestly i wanted to just throw a question out there and then just kind of all you it in the air and then sit back and be like all right yeah. let's hear it yeah. well it's always good when we have guests on that you know yeah, that absolutely. are well spoken and absolutely are willing to uh to talk to that extent because you don't want to just hear us talking all the time no no especially me actually talking i actually i talk a lot but i kind of have to yeah it's it's a lot better when our guests kind of run yes. the interview themselves and uh a lot of fun a lot of interesting things uh a lot of interesting connections and stuff that you don't see of and and you know and i've always said again i'll say it before i'll say it again our ritual is more than just words it's yep. got things in it and again uh, he kind of lightly touched on the fact of the um uh what was in the york right mm-hmm. in the the chapter in the council um there he, he did uh other interviews where he kind of made a couple of connections more so than he did on this one but uh I mean, you can kind of look into it yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, you can look into this stuff, you know, go through the degrees, 
learn the ritual, read the ritual, because you eventually get a ritual book, and then just compare stories of now to stories of then. It's mind-blowing. And, you know, I I think it resonates with most Masons, that whole idea of that golden thread. Right. Right? That goes all the way back from Masonry in modern times, through the founding of Uh our country, through... Um, you know, the, the the foundations of masonry in the 1600s in Europe and then even further back into the medieval stone guilds and Knights Templar and some draw it all the way back to ancient Egypt. Right. Everybody's kind of fascinated with that idea. Right. Right. Even mm-hmm. though there's like historical records out there that say it, it couldn't happen and that it's not. Mm-hmm. You got brothers out there that are like, no, well, I mean, we're finding evidence to the contrary. And right. like that idea is so compelling to a guy like me. I think you also get a lot of people who are set in their ways too, especially academia and yeah. uh, people who write the history books and all that stuff. Well, they'll, you know, well, this is the way the world is. And then when they get a little a grain of something that may put a, uh, you know, a chink in the armor of their story, yeah, yeah that's it's there. Yeah, they they no. dismiss it. Yeah, it's it like, doesn't, how doesn't, do you dismiss doesn't this? Doesn't fit it's, my narrative. I mean, perfect. The Kensington Rune Song. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Brother Scott yeah. Walter caught hell over the freaking yep. the academia tore his ass apart and yep. he's like but i'm showing you scientific yeah. no 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 they don't want to listen to it yeah they wouldn't want to look it's at like the data it's it, it's so strange to me that those it, kinds of things happen i mean especially for a story that we weren't around for yep you know what i mean like yeah you have to you, you kinda, have to follow the facts if you don't then it is just supposition because right. there's no like oral tradition going no. back that far. And again, you're 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 also getting the majority of your historic information off of books mm-hmm. that you know have been rewritten over centuries of time. Sometimes, yep. in some cases, that we all played the telephone game where yep, you know, I tell you something in your story to Joe might be something yeah, you know, slightly tweaked different, and then he might tell somebody, and it's completely out in yep. left field. And there might be kernels of truth that are still buried in that, right? But it's so much better to go back to like the, right, you know, the 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 primary source, right? So now let's say uh, a scribe Messner writes mm-hmm. history of the podcast, you know, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. And prints it in a book. Yeah, 3,000 years from now. Not, not a lot right, of that is But then be. somebody goes into my house 3,000 years mm-hmm. later and uh, and finds a you know, a journal that I wrote mm-hmm. and says, oh, hey, this is this came from, you know, right, Wars from Brother George Marjorie's house. Mm-hmm. Nope, nope, not true. This yeah. is the truth. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, the canon of Messner is the only truth, <laughs> the only source of the truth. But honestly, that's how it happens. Yeah, like, so you've got to kind yeah. of challenge things as they come new yep. evidence should spark new interest yep so all right what do you say shut it down it's snowing like a bastard yeah i don't know so. how much snow is on the ground out there but it's probably more than when we got here it's wet on the so. window actually the roads are clear it's wet in the window oh, so okay. i'm assuming it either stopped or flipped over to rain all right well, so uh, check out the situation i came up here an hour earlier to turn your turn the heat on for you because i know you'd be appreciate that <laughs> Because I'm a wuss and I didn't even want to come up here to begin with. You didn't have your snuggie. Snow on the ground. You didn't have your snuggie. So man, it's the first snowfall of the year. Like that's always the one that scares everyone, and it scares me not because I don't know how to drive, but because everyone else seems to forget how. I see. So I'm, I'm driving a, for everyone else. I made a comment in Discord that I'm going to be driving around blasting Master of Puppets, just yeah. tearing ass to the yep. neighborhood. Yep. With the windows down. <laughs> and did you? I did not, because no. there's not enough snow on the ground to do so. All right. Well, so maybe not. All right. Let's shut it down for the oh. Freemasons podcast. I'm your host, Wright Warshall Brother George Marjorie, signing off. Warshall Brother Ken, signing off. Have a good night, everyone. Good night, all.